Hello, and welcome to episode 29 of the Casual Try Hard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And we had a lot go on in the past, like, week. Yeah, that was a pretty crazy, uh, crazy weekend for Magic and some other things also. We have topics. Yeah, oh yeah, we have lots of topics. Hopefully you bear with us. If you want to talk to us about our topics, yeah. reach out to us on uh, Twitter at Casual Tripod. Yep, uh, on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG, and you can email us at show at casualtryhardmtg.com. So this next thing almost looks like a threat. It says, <laughs> give us show ideas. Please give us show ideas. Our next big event is Legacy, so we're planning to do Magic Fest Atlanta, yep, September yep. 20th. Yep. And I am now confirmed that I can go. Perfect. Um, I'm stoked. I have never played a legacy event outside of our local game store. They are they are fun. You see some wild stuff. Yeah. Legacy is a really cool format. It's very deep. Uh, there's an endless amount of things you can do that are worth doing. Yeah. And it's very rewarding. Um, the decisions you make matter a lot more. So you, like the feel goods for making the right decision are greater. Yeah, and then... Unlike modern, it's not two people just drag racing right. past each other. Yep. The uh, the games are a lot longer than I think people give it credit for. People see pe- see someone get charbelchered right on turn one, and I think that's what the whole format is. Yeah, and it's like, well, no, like that person loses every game two to like a force of will or yeah. a thought seize. Yep. So like that deck's not super viable. Yeah, you see people getting cheesed out by dredge or something. Yeah, there's a lot of safety valves in the format mm-hmm. that don't exist in in modern. Yep. So with that being said, yeah, our next topic is probably going to be legacy. Unless you guys give us something else to talk about, I may have to tweet this out because depending on when I get this edited versus when we record our yeah. next episode. Oh yeah, that's another thing. I'm going to be out of town next week, so we're recording uh, our next episode a little bit early. So our next episode might be on Legacy. And Just if you regardless. Guys, yeah, if you guys don't want to keep hearing about Legacy, because that's what we're you know prepping for, tell us what you want to hear about. We, we spent five hours running proxied Legacy decks yep. into a brew and then a more stock version of, yeah. of a, a deck. And that's all we did was just like, okay, yep. learn the matchups and like for you to get familiar with the decks in the format. Yeah, like I said, I'd never actually played a... Uh, legacy event outside of the store so i don't really know the meta as well as i would like to um, especially when i'm paying a hundred dollars to enter a tournament yeah um so i actually thank you for doing that i got a lot out of that i will will keep i I can keep doing it it's fine so that's probably our next thing unless someone has something super pressing yep and even if it's not super pressing if you don't want to hear about legacy tell us because yeah we understand that legacy is not super accessible for a lot of people yeah like the disclaimer that i will say now and then put on the legacy episode as well is like even if you don't own the cards Mm -hmm. it's a fun format just proxy some stuff up yeah that's the other thing yeah that's the other thing about legacy is most places as long as it's not sanctioned really don't mind if you play with proxies like as long as you make an effort to make the proxies look like cards and you're not just scribbling on you know basic lands that was a little too close to home (laughs) two of my proxied mox diamonds are calvadesh islands well i meant to like play in play in a tournament not just to play test or whatever but a lot of people that play legacy just want to play legacy they don't care yeah so yeah they're the the Chances of getting a game are few and far between. Yeah. So, yeah. and you don't usually just carry your legacy deck around with you, right? Just in case. Yeah. 
Let me let me take this uh you know car with me right. in my bag. <laughs> my mana base costs what a modern deck costs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't usually do that. Yeah. So arena data, uh, we had another person help us out this week. So yep. shout out to Jesse. Yep, thank you very much. Um, I recent out the sheet. We'll go over the data here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing we'll say is I think I settled on like the twelve decks in the format. Okay, good. So we should have like consistent decks yeah. across all of the the sheets now. And what I might start doing is I might come up with like just like a master meta of mm-hmm. everything. So then like if we have people on gold, okay. silver, platinum, just put, whatever, them, all just put them all together. So like do the individual ones, but then mm-hmm. do like a big one. Okay. Just to like increase the number of yeah. uh of matches we see. Yep. But yes, please send it. Please like go in and find those. They're on the Facebook page. They're on Twitter Mm -hmm. and just enter how many times you play against something. Yep. If you don't want to put down how many times you win, that is fine. You can leave that blank. Just how many times you play is really what matters. Yeah, that is, that is exactly what matters. Um, the, the win rate is more for like your own benefit. Mm -hmm. Like I, I promise I'm not going to judge you on how many times you get squished by Esper. Yeah. Um, that is just between you and who that poor Esper player that, that squished that poor, you. That deck doesn't get played a lot anymore. Yeah, I know. It's great. <laughs> I did lose to it yesterday, but, but yeah. it was it was the it was the interface's fault. <laughs> sure, blame it on anything but you, right? I got timed out. I like cast my scape shift yeah. and like before I could select the four lands. Yeah. It timed me out. Like you always burn a timeout whenever you cast a scape shift. If you don't have a timeout in the bank, you can't resolve a <laughs> scape shift. That's kind of awkward. It is. Yeah. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> okay, so this week we're going to talk about deck selection. Yeah, we kind of broke it up into two parts, but basically deck selection into a meta, right? Yeah, into a meta, and then we kind of took that as like deck selection, and we looked at deck selection and in relationship to the MCQ, or not the MC, the MC, yep. and... Uh, the Star City event. So that's how we're going to like talk about those is mm-hmm. in terms of deck selection, and we can do a little bit of talk yep. about the results. Sounds good. You know, there's a lot of reasons to play a deck, right? Mm-hmm. You enjoy the deck, yep. right? It's like, I'm just going to play this because it's fun. Yeah. So what kind of events are you going to show up and play a fun deck at? Like F&M. Yep. Maybe like, I don't know, like with the MCQ system now, like... Probably not. Yeah, like I don't even know what the MCQ system is right now, so I'm probably not going to play a fun deck at an MCQ because yeah. I don't know what I'm going to get to I play mean, at another There was one. a chance like at like the old PPTQ system. Mm-hmm. Like if I had a deck that I really enjoyed and I gotten good with, mm-hmm. that I knew I could play well. Well, that's a little bit different at a PPTQ also, though, because you're going to play in, you know, when we were playing and then we'd play in, you know, six or seven a season. Yeah. You could not so much throw one away, but you're like, right. you know what? This deck I know is good enough. Yeah. It's not the best deck. Right. I mean, I played Aetherflux Reservoir combo mm-hmm. at a GP. Yeah. The deck was good enough. <laughs> not good enough to get me into day two, but it was good enough. Yeah. Right. It wasn't like an embarrassing choice. Right. So typically, Funzies decks would be like FNM or Standard Showdown or something or like a that. A side event at, at a Magic Fest or something. Oh, yeah. That too. Yeah. That, that's a good one. Right. You go up and you're like, I'm going to play. It's a standard main event. I'm going to play my, like, you can either, like, grind the deck you're going to play in the standard main event Mm -hmm. for practice, or you can be like, you know, I'm going to play this fun standard deck, or I'm going to play this, like, modern deck I don't get to play a lot. Yeah. What was was the one that we went to before DC? Uh, Was it Richmond? Maybe. 
whatever it was. I, th- I think it was a standard event, and I played um, elves for all the side events. Yeah, just yeah, just modern for fun, elves. something yeah. I could turn my brain off and turn my brain off and just attack for seventy on yeah. my turn four. It's fine. Yeah. So you can play decks that are fun, or you can play decks that you think are either the best deck mm-hmm. or well positioned in what you expect to see. Right. And this is typically going to be in higher level events. Yeah. Uh, GPs, MC or MCQs. When you make your mythic cha- uh, championship. When you, you make know. the mythic championship, you know, like you do. Like you do. Uh, casual, no big deal. <laughs> and there's a difference between the best deck and the best position deck. Or, right. right. The best deck is traditionally, you're going to think of it as the most powerful deck. Mm-hmm. The deck that is far and away the best, the one that everyone has to worry about. And then right. the deck that you think is well positioned, and we're going to get into this, is a deck that you think is going to be good against the field that you expect to see. It might not be right. the most powerful, but it has really good percentages against what you think is going to show. Oh, you know what you're describing to a T? The levels. Jund. Jund? Jund. You're describing it to a T. All right. It's probably not the most powerful deck, even though it plays a whole bunch of really powerful cards, but it has pretty flat matchups across the board. Yeah, you know you're going to be able to play some games. Yeah. yeah. So what brought this about was not last weekend, but the weekend before, Mm -hmm. uh, Luis Scott Vargas won his hometown GP of GP Denver. Yep. And I think we touched on this very briefly last episode. We talked about him, you know, doing well or whatever. Doing well, yeah. He was 8-1 and after day one and ended up 12-3, made top eight, Mm -hmm. and then smushed people. Yep. But he wasn't... So he won with Bant Scapeshift. Yep. And... Bant Scapesh- and he won with this deck even though he had um, <clears throat> never played a game with it before round four of the GP. Right. Well, round four. How did he get past the first three rounds? Well, as a Hall of Famer, <laughs> you get a three-round bye. Yeah. So Must he started nice. out 3-0. Yep. And then his first round, he played Bant Scapeship for the first time. Yep. To the point he was doing the like classic pro thing of... Hey, I need some Orboreal Grazers <laughs> and uh, a Johnny's Welcomes. Like, I need some cards for this deck. Yeah. He apparently got five cards off of someone, and the condition of him playing the cards was LSV had to sign the cards. Yeah. And then put the card signed with his name in the deck he was playing. <laughs> so apparently, I was watching his like post GP Denver stream. And he was like, yeah, like people were like, why do you have cards that you, you signed? signed. <laughs> I was like, that, that's how I got to use this card. This person was like, here's this common, <laughs> sign it. Now put it in your deck. That's kind of neat though. Yeah. So he audibled to a deck like the night before mm-hmm. or it, the day of. Like he submitted his list without having the cards. And also to be fair, like this deck didn't really exist a week before. Yeah, so this is this is something else, right? Yeah. This deck, the first time I saw it, and I think I might have tweeted it out. Yeah. Was Andre Strasky made Mythic with it? Yeah. And tweeted out, he's like the only person I follow on Twitter. <laughs> like he's always good for like random decks. Well, right? he seems to play decks that I think we both enjoy. Also, yeah. they're uh, they're kind of our speed. Yeah, and so he tweeted this out. And then I had it sleeved up and played it the FNM before. Yep. So, like, I saw it on a Wednesday and I put it together. Mm-hmm. Don't try to read the, the pictures off your phone because I totally <laughs> messed up the mana base. Yeah. I couldn't read everything as I throwing it together. 
And then over the course of that like 10 days, it started to gain a lot of traction. A mm-hmm. lot of the pros were playing Scape Shift. Yep. And so LSE was like, oh, I don't want to miss out on playing Scape Shift. I'm going to audible off Black White Vampires. Yeah. And I'm going to try to cobble together Scape Shift. So we have seen uh, Mere Mortals. Yeah. You mean us. Us. Yeah. Audible to a different deck the night before an event. On the car ride to an event. I brought two decks. I don't know what I'm going to play kind of deal. And how has that gone for us mere mortals? Uh, Never good. Never, ever, ever good. Never even close to good. So, like, you know, if you can get time to get reps in with your deck. Yeah. That's going to get you more percentage points than switching to whatever, like, the new hotness is. Yeah, especially, I mean, I know this is kind of, like, way out there, but especially a deck like Scapeshift, right? Like, the lines in this deck, like, you have to learn them. It's not like you can just pick it up and see all of the lines, right? Yeah, I think, like, it's pretty straightforward, but there are some weird things, like, Deputy, I had an opponent like scape shift me, and yeah. I was like, bounce my own deputy of detention with Teferi. You mean, yeah, t- yeah. Teferi, bounce my deputy, exile yeah. all your zombies. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's like, oh, so like weird things that you're like, oh, I'm gonna bounce my own creature because yeah. I need the ETB trigger or, or you know, whatever like when you need to keep Teferi and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a weird deck. It's not, you're not playing like creatures and yeah. winning the game, you're like trying to on turn five put. 60 power on the board win the game yeah you're trying to cheese people yeah yep. which in the finals lsv won both of his games against nexus on turn five that's crazy by instant speeding a scape shift end of turn it's pretty good yeah as a general rule, don't audible like if yeah. you can lock in a week or so before mm-hmm. and get some reps in you're probably better off yeah usually that's my rule of thumb uh, if we have a big event coming up or even like a medium-sized event coming up, I like to have my deck nailed in like the weekend before. That way I can spend, you know, the little bit of free time that I do get in between work and spending time with my wife and whatever, working on like sideboard plans like throughout the week. Yeah. The other side of this is uh, black-white tokens. I went yeah. to the ill-fated uh, uh, GP Charlotte. Yeah. Where uh, the pairing system blew up in like round two and three and four and five yeah that was my first day two yeah that was the uh was that that's when you day two yeah yep. uh we're halfway through the tournament they were like we will give you all the sealed pools that you want <laughs> if you just drop from this tournament please yep. for the love of god no thank you i'll keep playing yeah <laughs> i was like i want to play black white tokens yeah and that tuesday i played a bunch of games against cameron mm-hmm. who was on just Guide to Harry, which was the new hotness when everyone's going to play. Yep. That was the talk of this tournament. Yes. I could win no games. Yeah. They were laughably one-sided. <laughs> it was awful. And I was like, it's okay. I'm going to stick with this. It was awful. <laughs> I just got stomped. Yeah. So maybe if you're like, you know, testing and you're, you know, four, five, six days out and there's a new data point of my deck can never <laughs> beat the deck that's going to be everywhere. Yeah. Maybe think of doing something else. But, like, if you get to Thursday or Friday, you should have already got that data, like, yeah. figured out. And, you, like, this is what I'm rolling with now. Right. Just make sure that you kind of, like, lock in. Mm-hmm. Be, be aware of new information. Mm-hmm. But 
you're kind of committed at a certain point. You have to have a point where you say like, okay, drop dead. This is, I'm not going to change my deck anymore. Right. Ideally, that is maybe the weekend before. Like, so yeah. especially like a standard event, if you can go like play your FNM with like the version you think you're going to play. Yeah. And then kind of tweak it Saturday, yeah. play some more games, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, you know, hopefully have the weekend to get some arena testing in. Yeah. But, like, the night before is not going to do you well. No. If you're running around the event hall picking up cards. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not going to go well for you. Probably not going to go well. Unless, unless you're LSV. Yeah. Or if you've been playing on Arena for three weeks with this deck and you just right, don't yeah. physically own it. That's a good point, too. But hopefully you, like, you know, made that TCG player order or yeah. uh, Myrtle Beach Games yeah. uh, order. <laughs> so this is a, another quick point I feel like we should make while we're talking about running around an event hall looking for cards. It probably doesn't come as any surprise if you actually think about it, but the vendors at a big GP or like a Magic or an MCQ or whatever typically don't have boxes and boxes of commons with them. Yes. They bring high dollar stuff. So if you need, you know, a dozen commons to finish out a deck, you're probably going to have to pick those up before you get to the event hall. Yeah, because it's not going to happen. Yeah, unless you can find, you know, if it's standard stuff and you go sort, sorting through draft chaff or something. Yeah, but, like if there's a pile of... Yeah. I have watched people buy packs yeah. in hopes of finding the commons that they need. Yeah. That's not a good place to be. No. Another thing is if you're trying to play, like, the new hotness, mm-hmm. those cards are going to just be more expensive at the event site because... Yeah. They had them listed at $5, and people were buying them. So they went to $7, right. and people were buying them. And they went to $10, and people were buying them. Yeah. At Especially the, if they're like a mythic or something, and yeah. quantities are low. At the Jeskai Nihiri uh, GP, Grafdigger's Cages mm-hmm. went from $5 to 15 or $20 over the course of the weekend. Yeah. Like just we, at the event, though. Just at the event. Yeah. Like, you could buy them online for $5, yeah. but people were like... I just played my side event and got smushed by a hasty Emrakul. Yeah. I, I have to have a graph tigger's cage in my sideboard and they would run around and buy graph tigger's cages. Yep. So that is a thing to keep in mind too, is like if you can get your cards early, yeah, you're not going to spend as much. So we'll come up. So why do you think LSV switched to Vanscape shift? I was actually going to defer to you here. Cause I didn't, okay. I didn't pull any data from the event. I didn't pull a lot either. I've just been playing the deck. Okay. And, I think the standard metagame is changing slower this season than it has previously. I agree with that. Because uh, there aren't any big events, so nobody's yeah. like testing and trying to find like the best thing, and there are no MCQs for whatever reason. Right. So no one had any way to interact with that deck. Right. You played against Gruul. They didn't have Flame Sweep mm-hmm. or uh, whatever the stupid uh, Fiery Cannonade. Yeah. You did your thing, and they lost. Right. Even like game one against most decks in the format, you do your thing mm-hmm. and you just win the game. Right. Um, it's like, oh, we're done here. Like the hot deck previously was that uh, Simic Flash. Yeah. And if you can stick it to Fairy, like you just beat that deck. You stick it to Fairy, you beat them. And there's also just play a Field of the Dead. And do it the land, hard way. Land, block your thing. And eventually yeah. they run out of stuff and then you... Escape, they get to no cards and you escape shift and you put 30 power on the board. And they're yeah. just like, oh. Because they have to counter all of your ramp spells. Yeah, and that's a bad spot to be in. Because they just like eat all of their things. Yeah. Esper is the same way. Like I think they're playing more Cry of the Carnariums now mm-hmm. because of 
this deck, but before they really weren't playing Cries. Right. Yeah, I actually think we mentioned that uh, yeah. last episode. And, like, you stick a Field of the Dead, what do they do? Like, all of your lands are 2 twos, they have to answer? Yeah, and you're playing, like, 28 lands? Yeah. And, God forbid, if you get two Field of the Deads, you're like, land, four power, go. Yeah. They can never beat that unless you time out. Um, <laughs> I actually saw a list that I meant to talk to you about before we uh, started this episode, but I'm going to throw it at you now. Okay. Um, I'll shoot the actual list to you later, but it's a basically the same deck, but with no scape shifts. Okay. They just want the value engine from Field of the Dead. It's probably fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's probably fine. If you have a little bit more ways to do things, I got Unmortigoed one game. That yeah, was, that was that's sad. rough. That was sad. But yeah, I don't think, going into that tournament, I don't think anyone had a way to interact with what you did. Mm-hmm. And with Teferi, sometimes it doesn't matter. You're just right. like, end step, do it, and then they can't respond and you kill them. Right. Uh, which is a, you know, which is that nice, warm, snuggy blanket <laughs> that is, is Teferi. Oh, I can't do any, nothing bad can happen to me now, ever. Yeah. But yeah, so I think that just the fact that it was well positioned mm-hmm. and, you know, it's kind of a fun off the wall deck. Yeah. And a uh, mythic, uh, oh gosh, uh, a magic fest, the people that are there might not be always as plugged in, right. especially in the early rounds. Yeah. As like if you're at an MCQ or if you're at, uh, you know, day two of the GP. Right. Like you get a lot of equity for a deck that didn't exist. A week ago. A week ago, playing that mm-hmm. because like they're not going to know what the heck's going on. You're just yeah. like or boil grazer, and they're like, scrub yeah. with this draft <laughs> stuff, and then you're like, Elvish reclaimer, what's this? And you're like, circuitous route. Next turn, kill you. Yeah. And they're like, Escape oh, shift, you're dead. <laughs> oh no, this is bad. Yeah. So yeah, you get a lot of like percentage points with with especially in the early rounds. Like yeah. you know when you get to like round seven, eight, nine when you're doing well. Mm-hmm. Those people are going to know what's up. Yeah. But early on, they might not. Yeah, I think it was a good choice because yeah, just no one had any way to deal with it. Yeah. So, and even now, like, you know, ooh, platinum. I went 14 and four with the deck. That's pretty good. Yeah, I had a 77% win rate. Oh, yeah. Just like cruise through. It was just like, oh, embarrass people. <laughs> so it was pretty sweet. Yeah. So, yeah, but like, even now, like, I don't think people have a adapted to it as well, much as they would have in as they would have in the past like last two, season yeah in the yeah. last like two seasons yeah. where everything changed daily a lot more churn because i think all the pros were focused on the modern event yeah and why are you like grinding standard right now like, yeah nobody what are you playing is. for I mean, I mean it was a small gp too there was like 600 people in the yeah, gp super small yeah like half the size of a normal one. Yeah. But like this also, like if you have, you know, Andre Strasky's has been my guy. Mm-hmm. But if you find someone on Twitter that like plays decks mm-hmm. that you find interesting. He was the one behind the uh, command decks too, right? Or at least helped popularize it. Yeah. yeah. Same same thing. So like but if you find someone on Twitter that like you enjoy following. Mm-hmm. And you enjoy the decks that they like. You can like maybe get a leg up on your F and M or something by yep. finding a deck like on Wednesday and being able to play it for a day or two, and then having the cool new deck mm-hmm. that no one has seen. Yep. So and then like, crush everybody with yeah. it. Yeah. So like the people that are like 
always kind of churning stuff out is there's like Yeoman Five. Yep. Who like Arena Deckless tweets out a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, VTCLA. Yes, that was the other yeah. one I was gonna say. They're always kind of brewing something, and they're not like mm-hmm. pros per se. Ish. Yeah. Yeah, they're just like people who play way more Magic online than should be healthy. Yeah. And that's just what they do. They get off work and they go like jam eight hours of Magic online. Yep. And they come up with really good decks. They're very good deck builders. Yeah. And oftentimes, like, those decks will have cyborg guides, so, like, it'll just, like, it'll tell you exactly what to do. That's one thing Strosky does, is he always, after, like, the second time he plays a deck, yeah. he's like, here's my cyborg guide. Also, when you're interacting with them, like, on Twitter or whatever, like, if you're a follower and, you know, you see one of their decks, most of them just like to get, like, credit as the innovator or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you have questions and send them a tweet saying, hey, I like this list, I want to play it, do you have a quick cyborg guide? They'll usually shoot you an answer. I'm trying to think of... He's one of Cedric Phillips' friends. He's mm-hmm. not a pro, but he played the uh, the legacy, like, Grixis Phoenix deck. Yeah. To, like... He went, like, 14-1 and one in, like, a team tournament. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. Legacy. Yeah. Tommy Ashton. Yep. And I was like, hey, like, I'm trying to play this deck. What... what how do you sideboard? Mm-hmm. And he sent me back a reply. Like I was like, Hey man, I like the deck. I heard you on the, the podcast, like you know, try to butter up a little bit. Yeah. And I was like, how do you sideboard? Like anything you can tell me would be helpful. And he sent like, like this is what comes in Yeah. and you can usually figure out what needs to go out. But right. like, he's just like a random, he's probably like a lawyer or something in DC. Mm-hmm. And he took the time to reply to a random dude on the internet. Right. So, in, like, they will, like, and I, I've tweeted back and forth with, like, Strosky a little bit. Yeah. And, like, they reply, and, like, you know, there's banter. So, like, yeah, if you have a question, people will yeah. reply. Ask them. I know that, like, uh, for limited resources, like, apparently when people will take screenshots on Arena, mm-hmm. and they will tweet Marshall, LSV, and Ben Stark. Yeah. And one of them always replies with, like, what the pick is. Hmm. Like, Ben will just reply to anything you send him about really? Limited. <laughs> yeah. Anything you send him, he will reply because it's just what he loves. He loves talking about Limited. Yeah. Like, all right, random person wants to talk to me about Limited? <laughs> sure. In. So, yeah, like, you can, like, like hey, like, how do you cyborg with this? Yeah. And they might give you some insights. Yeah, and they're probably going to know better than, you know, somebody that's feeding you a deck list, like, third party or whatever. Yeah, I mean... If I like retweet a deck and then you're like, how do you sideboard? I'm like, well, this is what I do. This but, is what I do. I don't yeah. know exactly why they build it this way. Yeah. And I mean, even now with Scape Shift, my, my sideboarding plan a lot of times is shave one of these, shave <laughs> one of these. Yeah. Cut who some knows ramp if spells. that's actually right, but yeah. It works. Yeah. So it's like, do I want to draw this card? No, I do not. <laughs> okay. Let's take it out. Do I want to draw this card? Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> take out one. Yeah. We'll shave here. Yeah. It's scientific. Yep. We wanted to talk about, like, you'll hear uh, about the levels of the metagame yeah. and what that means. Yeah, so this is kind of kind of what we, the long way to get where we are is through that uh, the story of GP Denver. Yeah. We're going to talk about level one, two, and three for a specific metagame. You'll hear people use these terms pretty regularly, um, especially with people that are like grinders or whatever. Yeah, and on, on coverage, how yeah. about, well, the level one deck was this kind yeah. of thing. So you can kind of think of them as rock, paper, scissors. Um, rock would be level one, and then paper is level two because it's what beats level one. Mm-hmm. And then scissors is level three because it's what beats level two. Yeah. 
Now, it doesn't always... Like, I know rock, paper, scissors would also mean that level 3 loses to level 1. Which is not always the case. It's not always the case. This is just kind of for me to help clarify what I'm trying to talk about. So, the level 1 deck is usually the most... It's the most popular deck because it's objectively the most powerful deck. It is the deck that everyone has decided this is the best deck. Yeah. It's also... There used to be... Like before Arena, when the metagame took a little bit longer to like develop, the level one deck used to typically be what won the previous weekend. Yes. A lot of times. Mm-hmm. So level one is the most popular deck slash mm-hmm. the deck that people have kind of congealed around as the most powerful. Yep. Right? And then the level two deck is all the people that look at the level one deck and go like, okay, what deck beats this deck? Right. If um, 15 or 20% of the room is going to play level one mm-hmm. i want a deck that has an 80 percent win rate against level one yep you're gonna get past them uh typically level two decks are gonna be a lot of what you see like in day two yeah because that's kind of the meta that they're gunning for they're gonna beat all the guys that were there day one and make it to day two and then level three decks are gonna be the decks that beat up on those guys so my rock paper scissors analogy um, this is typically what you're going to find like in a top eight where they have brought a deck. They made it through day one. Um, they have brought a deck that beats the day two metagame and now they're into top eight. Yeah. So they, they're in a position where they have, usually they have a good, maybe not great matchup against the level one deck. Yep. It is not abysmal though. It can't be. Right. Right. And then they have a really good matchup against all the decks they expected to show up to beat that. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think that, you know, for GP Denver, like, it was the day two stuff was Esper Hero, Bantscape Shift, which, like, good luck, Esper. Right. Like, cool. Spot removal? <laughs> cool. Orzot Vampires, you want to attack and block? Good luck with that. Yeah. Uh, Boros Feather, attacking and blocking. You can fly sometimes. It's a problem. Yeah. Like, mono red, cool story, bro. So if you were on Vance Scape Shift, you're like, oh, I have a pretty good matchup against most of the decks in the top eight. Yeah, all these or decks are... not in the top eight, in, in day two. Yeah, all these decks are trying to attack and block, and you don't care about that game. Right, and I think the thing that, like, LSU was most worried about was, like, Nexus, which ended up being, like, 5%. Yeah. Right, and that's good. Like, if your bad matchup is only 5% of the field... Yeah, that's great. Yeah. You only have to beat it once in the finals. That's right. On turn five twice. <laughs> Easy peasy. Easy peasy. Please make checks payable, too. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, when you hear someone say level one, most popular and most powerful. Yep. Level two is the deck that beats that. Level three beats that. Mm-hmm. We wanted to kind of talk about the Mythic Championship in this in this vein. Yeah. Right? Um, you could definitely see the same thing happen this weekend. Yes. Um, level one deck was Hogak. And it was very level one. Yeah, it was everywhere. It was 21% of the field day one. Yes, which is absurd. Yeah, that's super high. James went and looked at, you guys have probably heard of Eldrazi Winner. Yeah, I pulled uh, the metagame breakdown from Wizards website for Pro Tour Oath of the Gatewatch, which is what started Eldrazi Winner. The Eldrazi deck of the time was, is one of the most broken decks that has ever existed. It was, what did I say, 10% of the metagame? It was 10%. Yeah, 10% of the metagame. Hogak was twice that. Hogak was twice that. Eldrazi is so broken Mm -hmm. that when they do an 
no ban list modern event it wins it wins yeah Does, what every else time. are you gonna do <laughs> i'm gonna just do this and beat you every game yeah oh <laughs> like star city did one and i think like half the top eight was just eldrazi yeah yeah the deck's like ridiculous ridiculous and hogak had twice as many people play it yep they had a 71% conversion rate, which means 71% of the players who registered that deck day one made day two. Yes. The reason there weren't more in the top eight, there was only one in the top eight, was yeah. I think uh, I heard someone say that Frank Carson, when he did all the, the numbers, mm-hmm. the people on Hogak that did really well in Constructed, constructed yeah. bombed draft. Yeah. And the people that made day two with Hogak that didn't do well with Hogak did well on the draft. So, yeah. like... Only one person kind of put together the draft side and the modern side. Yeah. But uh, if you look at, they put out the top, the, the decks that went 8-2 or 9-1. Mm-hmm. Nine of those 20 decks were the Hogak deck that people yeah. think is Hogak. Yeah. And then there were two Dredge decks that played Hogak. So mm-hmm. Hogak was 11 out of the 22 8-2 decks. Yeah, the... um. I didn't write it down here, so I don't remember exactly what the number was, but I'm pretty sure that the Dredge version with Hogak had a better conversion rate than regular Hogak did. It had, it had a 60% win rate, Okay. and Hogak had a 56% win rate. Yeah. So the two highest win rates in the tournament yeah. belong to a guy who can't be cast with mana. <laughs> it's a drawback. Sure, it's a drawback. So it also means it's free. It also means it's free. <laughs> So what was so that was the level one deck. Yep. What was the level two decks? What were the level two strategies? Probably like the mid rangey decks that were able to like play main deck graveyard hate without having to warp their game plan at all. Uh, stuff like blue white or jund. Yeah, I don't know if blue white was playing main deck graveyard hate, but like path uh-huh, exile yeah. is like great. Yeah. Because like you're like fine, you have a bunch of dorky two ones. I'll mm-hmm. path your eight eight. Yeah. And well, they can also play not that it's main deck, but they can play rest in peace almost for free. Yeah. So they don't they don't care about that. Um, yeah. So they so like blue white and Jund were the two kind of answers that yeah. were there. Yeah. And I think that Phoenix thought felt like they had a good matchup. Yeah, I don't know that they actually did, but they felt like they did. I don't know. I don't know if they do or not, but I yeah. think there was a perception that like, oh, I can just like thing in the ice them and yeah. blah blah blah. So those were the level two decks, especially mm-hmm. blue, white, and Jund. I think yeah. would be like level two meta game calls. Yep. And so then level three is the thing that has beaten blue, white, and Jund forever. Forever. That's Tron. Yeah. A lot of people went to Eldrazi Tron. Yep. And that let them play, you know, the busted Eldrazi, Karn the Great Creator, and Micah Synthlatus. Mm-hmm. So their opponent could just not participate in the game anymore. See, it's weird, though, because it also doesn't matter if you lock them out of the game if they kill you first. This is very true. Yeah. Like, you need to get a bridge. <laughs> right? But Karn unless you get a bridge yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah. But the Tronniest of Trons, just mono green Tron. Like actual Tron from two years ago. Actually ended up winning the MC. Yep. And won the Star City event. Yep. And it was just like old timey mono green Tron. Yep. Like just Karns and Oblivion Stones. Yep. And Ulamog and Ugin. And Wormcoil. Yeah, just actual Tron. Nothing fancy. Yep. No Micah Synthlattices, actual right. stuff. They were like, okay, 
we can beat the level two decks. We can mm-hmm. beat all these like mid range like attrition battles because well, they, I mean they don't even have to try. Yeah, no, like you're you're John and you're like I top deck better than anyone in the format. Here's my five six turn with Karn exile it go. <laughs> Oops. Oh no. <laughs> I guess he top decked better than me. Yeah, his thing's bigger than mine. Uh, <laughs> Ulamog exile two things. Yeah. Go. Man, there were a couple great Ulamogs this weekend. Yes. You, yeah, he won like, He won both yeah. events. Yeah. And they have a reasonable matchup game one mm-hmm. against Hogak because they get to play main deck Relic of Progenitus. Right. Which helps, you know, if you draw it, it'll help you control their graveyard mm-hmm. and, like, buy you enough time, hopefully, to do your thing. Yeah, I mean, Tron's been running main deck Relic for, like, that's not new technology. No, they not- were running it as almost deck thinning. Yeah, it's, it's like, just a way to draw a card. Yeah. But um, it's two mana draw a card exile yeah, the library. basically. Or graveyard. Um, but in the sideboard, they were like, yeah, this matchup's not that great. Yeah. They were playing four. All of them were playing four ley lines. Yeah. I wrote it down here. Uh, so Etron in the main has Karn to go get some pieces, and they were running a main deck scavenger ground also. And then... They had a bridge, Tormod's Crypt, Graft Digger's Cage, and four Leyline in the side. And then Green Tron had three Relics in the main and four Leylines in the side. They have, like, no realistic way to cast these Leylines. Right. And they were, uh, people on the deck were saying that basically, if you're playing Hogak, you have to mulligan to Leyline and then hope the rest of it works out. But yeah. if you don't have a Leyline, if you have. Tron and no leyline, you send the hand back. Yeah. That's because scary. you have to have leyline. Yeah. Where you just get got. So that was the MC metagame mm-hmm. where Hogak was level one. Then the Star City event was mm-hmm. also modern. Hogak decided that he wanted to do a little bit more than he did in the MC. <laughs> so there were four Hogak decks in the top eight. Yeah. Uh, there were 10 in the top 32. Crazy. And 13 out of 68 Hogaks were uh, decks in day two. That was 19%. So slightly lower than the 24% of the MC. But still twice as many as Eldrazi winner. Yes. Yeah. And I also think that um, there is still some concern that like people don't want to buy into the deck and then get it ba- and then it get banned. Yeah. Like that was as I bought four foil Hogax. <laughs> not um, for modern. Not for modern. Oh, yeah, there's a spicy meatball. <laughs> uh, there was a legacy video that it was like, oh, yeah, this is. Carson sent me the list, and I was like, this is interesting. And I watched it, and I was like, oh, this is really interesting. Like, I was going to put it together at some point, but oh. Yeah. Um, but I think there are people not buying the deck. Mm hmm. It was the same thing like in Aldrazi Winter 2. Like yeah. you You knew something was coming. You knew something was coming, so there were the people that like were like, I'm just gonna either had the pieces mm-hmm. and were just like fine. Or that um were like, I'm gonna buy them. Yeah. Or that were like, I'm not gonna spend money on them and I'm just gonna play whatever deck I normally play. And the people that went to like that level two we're yeah. like, well, I'm going to play Infect because right. Infect has a positive matchup against Eldrazi. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to hope that's good enough. Mm-hmm. I just kept jamming Burn. Uh, I played Elves. Elves was fine against Eldrazi. It was like Burn could never beat Eldrazi, but you beat everyone else. Right. I guess it was like, I don't know, 
level two and a half. It was, <laughs> it was or no, it was level three and a half. It was yeah. good against uh, level two, but awful <laughs> against level one. But like everyone had at that point, everyone had cut their their burn hate because yeah. burn was super popular for a long time, and everyone had ley lines of sanctity and all this stuff in their sideboard. Mm-hmm. But and, it just didn't do anything against big Eldrazi's. So like you, you, all that stuff went away. So like you just played people, and you were just like, oh, this is a buy. Yeah. And then they went like Eldrazi Temple, and you're like, oh, this is a buy for you. <laughs> cool. But yeah, so Hogak was everywhere. Everywhere. So I think that that 19% could be higher mm-hmm. at the SEG if people were more willing to buy into the deck. Yeah. But just sitting there knowing that, like, you know, I'm going to, I don't own any of these cards and it's going to cost me mm-hmm. $1,000 to play this deck for three months. It's not worth it. Yeah. And again, like, what are you playing for? Yeah. Like, you know, if you're an SEG grinder, you probably already have the cards. Mm hmm. Or have access to have like a way cobble to get them, them, cobble them together. Yeah. But if you're just like, I don't even know, it was in Columbus. If you're just like, if you live in Columbus, yeah, and you got to go to the SCG event, like you're not gonna dump a thousand dollars to go buy yeah. all this stuff. Because yeah, like you can tell that people think Hogus gonna get banned because it is because they're still eight dollars. Yeah, they're like five dollars. Really? Yeah, like you, like I bought mine for ten. I look like a sucker. <laughs> um. But right, yeah, like for as much as they're getting played, yeah, they should be a twenty dollar card. Yeah, or I mean, more. look at like Force of Negation. Yeah, Force of Negation, thirty dollars. Yeah, thirty dollar in, not played nearly as much. Right. So another thing about like Hogak being the number one top dog deck mm-hmm. is uh, tell the people what the most played card at the MCQ was. Uh, Leyline of the Void. Where there are like eight hundred and thirty four copies yeah. registered. Yeah. So that's uh two for every deck. There were four hundred and like thirty seven participants. Yeah. So yeah, it's right around a little under two per deck. Yeah. So Tron was playing four. Mm-hmm. Right. And the people that were on blue white control, they just played four rest in peace, I'm sure. Right. Like Leyline gets to go in every deck because mm-hmm. you can just like draw Cast it, it for and free. Be like, Well, I guess I got it in my opening hand. Yeah. Uh, but it's always your eighth card yep. is how it works. Is you draw your seven, you're like, I think this seven is okay. <laughs> and then you draw a blank, and you're like, I can never cast this. Yeah, I have actual no black mana sources. This is awful. Right. So, I mean, that just shows you how much the format was warped. Yeah. To, like, account for the fact that we all know that everyone's going to jam Hogak. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the SCG, I watched the finals of Tron versus Hogak. Mm-hmm. And I was telling you before, it, it was, like, hilarious the Hogak player passed the turn with like 35 power or something. The Tron player gets an Oblivion Stone, says go. Uh, Hogak player attacks, blow up everything with Oblivion Stone. Hogak player casts some spells, pass the turn with 25 power on board. Mm-hmm. Oblivion Stone, same song and dance, 20 power on board. Like it just didn't matter. Yeah. Eventually, like, the Tron player somehow miraculously pulled it out, but it was just like, oh, this doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, sure, Wrath my board. I'll just pick it all back up <laughs> out of the graveyard and play it again. Yeah. Oh, okay. Crazy. Yeah, it is nuts. So modern was Hogak and then things that were trying to beat Hogak. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you learned a little bit about uh about yeah. the levels. Yeah, so when someone says level one, you know, like, okay, that's the best deck. Yeah. I guess there's also there's another level that comes up sometimes. Which is level zero, which well, might be where Hogak is. Yeah, I might argue that Hogak's level zero right which, now. Which that is, Hogak level zero is 
you should play this deck, stupid. Yeah, you better have a damn good reason to play anything like, but that deck. Yeah, so, like, it's just, like, this deck is so much better than everything else. Yeah. Which, like, I don't know what, like, SCG events are coming up, but that could very well be where yeah. we end up, where people are just like, I guess I have to play this. Yeah, I'm not sure what's coming up next. Yeah, but those are the only places that you're going to have, like, large modern events right. that are at SCGs. But, yeah, like, level zero is, like, the step above level one, which yeah. is just... This is so far and away the best deck. It's, it's embarrassing if yeah. you don't play it. Eldrazi was level zero during Eldrazi winter. Yeah, it was just like you either played the deck or you had to have a good reason not to, such as Eye of Ugin's are $45 a pop. Yeah. And I don't want to spend that much money because I know it's going to get banned. Grave Collars are $30 a piece, and you know the deck's not going to exist anymore, so you don't want to buy them. Yeah, it's just silly. Yeah. Uh, pro tip, if you have Grave Crawlers, you should probably sell them. Yeah, I haven't got off mine yet. <laughs> so we've kind of beat the Hogak thing into the ground a little bit. It's real good. Yeah, real good. They probably banned the wrong card. Yeah, uh, there was kind of an interesting theory that I heard on this where um, some of the pros were saying that the bannings forced the deck to be built correctly. Yeah. Um, what happened was they banned the card that made the deck a combo deck and force people to build it as a beatdown deck, which is just a better deck than the combo deck. The and, combo deck just felt more broken. Yeah. And, like, the fact that you like that you can go Stitcher Supplier into now Seder Wayfinder and yeah. Stitcher Supplier into Ultra Dementia. Yeah. And those two cards combine yeah. to cast the Hogak, Hogak that you got six looks at off the top of your deck between those two creatures right. plus the cards in your hand. Yeah. You've hit a Hogak. Yeah, that's real good. Right? Like, you're probably, at that point, 15 cards deep in your deck. Mm -hmm. You've probably found one. Yeah. Like, consistently, a turn 2-8-8 is real good. Real good. Like, I saw Dom Harvey in the finals dismember his opponent's Stitcher Supplier Mm -hmm. on, like, turn one. Just so he couldn't gack? Yeah, with a Stater Wayfinder on the stack. He's like, nope. On the stack. Stay away from because, like, yeah. got to kill it because then convoke. Yeah. So, yeah, on the stack, kill it. Man. Like, take four damage to kill your 1-1. One, one. That's crazy. So you can't cast. So that I don't take eight the next turn. Yeah. That's that's insane. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, it's just way more just crazy beat down, and it's, I think, way more consistent now. Yeah. So on the back of that, you want to talk about uh, potential bans or bans in general? This is for all you people that were clamoring for an Arclight Phoenix ban a couple or we, months or we ago. Have to, we have to ban Arclight or we have to ban Faithless Looting. Yeah. Like, Faithless Looting is not the offender here. No. I mean, it, it helps in that deck. I'm yeah. not going to say it doesn't, but, like... That's not the problem. It, it doesn't cast Hogak on turn two. Right. Maybe. It, it's arguably slower than a Stitcher Supplier start. Yeah. Like, it's funny now, like, Arclight Phoenix is the good guy in the format. Yeah. <laughs> right, it's not it's not Tron and it's yeah. not Hogak and it like plays removal spells and yeah. creatures and tries to attack and block. <laughs> it's like, oh, remember good pure magic with like flame slash? Yeah. Like this is where we are. Flame slash. Yeah. The deck everyone was clamoring to get banned out of existence a couple months ago was now the the hero of the format. Yeah, our great blue red height uh hero. Yeah. Our great blue red savior. It's super cyclical, like yeah. what needs to be banned. Well, but, I mean, a, a lot of it's just hype, too. It is. Like, I, I understand something from Hogak probably has to go. It's probably too good at this point. But, but like, you, the only like okay, the only things you can ban out of that deck to make it not a good deck 
is like Hogak. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like banning Ven- if you ban Vengevine, mm-hmm. you basically have to ban Arclight Phoenix because they're the same card. They're, the, yeah, they're they're exactly the same card. So that's probably fine. Uh, Carrion Feeder, who cares? Mm-hmm. Grave Crawler is not doing anything. Right. Seder Wayfinder. <laughs> oh yeah, that's gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Right. They didn't want to ban Hogak or Alter because they just printed them. Right. Yep. And so they said, okay, we're gonna ban Bridge. Which is fine, because Bridge is, is only, you know, it only ever does degenerate things anyway. But it's only ever done, like, a de- degenerate thing, like, once in the last, like, five years. Yeah. Like, it, there was, like, the, the two weeks where... Uh, um, Hollow One. Vengevine. Well, Ven- yeah, yeah. Yeah, Hollow One, Vengevine decks, yeah. yeah. Were, like, reasonably playable. Mm-hmm. And then they weren't, because they were bad. I found out the hard way. They were bad. <laughs> hey, there was people clamoring for a ban on that deck, too. Yeah. And then, like, Alter wouldn't have mattered. Like, you now would just have Seder Wayfinder in the Alter slot yeah. with Bridge from Below. Oh. Oh, my God. Yeah. Disgusting. Uh, yeah. But, so, okay. Now you... The only thing left is Hogak. Yeah. Right? They just have to, in a month, or two months now, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I don't even right? know when the next BNR is. Probably right after uh, Eldritch Th- Throne. Right. Well, yeah, that's three months. No, it's October, beginning of October. Like, yeah, pre-release is like the twenty-eighth of September or something. Yeah. Uh, and BNR is like two weeks after that, right? Oh, or is it two the, weeks after? Yeah, that? I think oh it's like gosh. two weeks after that. Okay, but like Hogak's gonna have to go. Yeah, I don't know how the format adjusts to Hogak when like you're when everyone's playing six pieces of graveyard hate. Yeah, I don't think and it it's can. Still like. 24% of your day two metagame. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Eight, uh, four decks in the top uh, eight of an SCG event. Yeah, I mean, talk about format warping. The most played card was Leyline of the Void. Yes. And then all the other cards were from Hogak. Right. What was it? Hogak was also, some of them were playing two Leyline's main. Yeah. Yep. And then two in the side because they could get rid of them with Faithful Sluting, and it was just a way to, like, beat the mirror. Well, and also, like, card advantage kind of goes out the window when you're playing that deck. Oh, like yeah, it, it doesn't matter. You're like, I'm going to, like, putting a Hogak in your graveyard is fine. Fine. Like, yeah. it does the same thing in both places. Right. Same thing matter. with Gravecrawler. We're in, like, Hogak summer. So, I know I mentioned something in chat over the weekend. Where are you on an emergency ban? I don't think they're going to want to do it. Well, I mean, they do have GP Vegas coming up that I hadn't thought about previously. Is it Modern? And Modern Horizons Limited? Yeah. So, like, part of me is, like, I don't want to mess with it because I still want people to, like, have confidence to yeah. buy their packs from yeah. Modern Horizons. How bad does it feel to, like, open your Modern Horizons booster and have a Hogak and it's so-so unlimited? Yeah. It's not great. It's not great. You open like you know. It can a, be your commander, though. <laughs> I might be in for that. Uh, there we go, Hogak commander. <laughs> he's too big to be. I thought brawl, but he's not legal and standard. Not legal and standard. I would brawl with Hogak. I would play him in standard, absolutely. Yes. Can you imagine that in that Mulder Hulk deck? <laughs> <laughs> Close poor shamans would be like twelve dollars. Yeah, it'd be great. Close. I don't know, like. If they're worried about people showing up for that mythic for that uh, magic fest, yeah, then maybe they have to ban it. Maybe, but at the same time, they're like, this is always their biggest event, right? Like always, like it's ridiculously big. 
I know the one I went to was three events, and it was all three events sold out. Yeah, and they were like 2,000-person events each. Yeah. So, like, they might already be in a situation where they've sold out most of it. Yeah, maybe. And they're just like, we're going to let this ride. Maybe. Yeah, I don't, like, the emergency ban is hard. Like, it, yeah. it is super, like, reactionary. Did the, did the emergency ban uh, Ayavugan? No, that, that rolled, was a regular banner. That rolled all the way through that season till I forget what the, I forget what the summer set was, but it didn't get banned till May. Okay, because remember when we went back and did all the metagame percentages. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And it just like fell off the map. It was like two or three. It was like two months of just like ridiculousness. Yeah, because it was you know MC is two weeks after the used to be yeah the set yeah sorry Pro Tour at that point it was two weeks after the set. Then we basically had. Two months of yeah Eldrazi everywhere, and then it just went away. Yeah, I just looked it up. Vegas is modern and limited. Okay, so yeah, I don't know. And uh, GP Minneapolis is also modern. The weekend yeah. before, which is like next weekend, August ninth. Yeah, August ninth. Yeah, yeah, next weekend. Next weekend. I don't know if there's enough. If you do an emergency ban, does that then change people's behavior? September sixth. Uh, Magic Fest Indianapolis is also modern. So they got three modern Magic Fests coming up. But if you ban, the next three are yeah. But if you ban Hogak tomorrow, yeah, are more people going to show up to the Magic Fest? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah, that's rough. I didn't realize that the next three GPs were all all modern. Yeah, it's it's not a good look because I think a lot of people are going to be like, I don't want to play against this because I think as we've said before, like. People are super hateful towards graveyard decks. Yeah. They just are like, this isn't fun. I don't want to do this. Yeah. And so that leads people to be more apt to want cards from those kind of decks to be banned. Yeah. Yeah. So Hogak is good. If you get on the Hogak train, realize that train's probably going to derail in two to three <laughs> months. Yeah. It, uh, you're not long for this world. You're not long for the world. So, like, you know, if you are going to like a GP or. You know, a Star City event, and you're trying to like spike it to get to day two. Like Hogak's the best deck, and then it's just making sure you have reasonable answers for all the hate you're gonna run into. Yeah, there's a lot of assassins trophies, but uh, Force of Vigor does all of that and costs no mana. Right. Yep. Like oh, two ley lines, Force of Vigor. <laughs> Good huh. talk, everyone. Okay. Ley line in a cage. Oh, all right. Two Force of Vigor. <laughs> Force of Vigor. We got this. Yeah. Right, when you just have an assassin's trophy, then you're just stuck with picking one of them to kill. Yep. Which is ley line, because then you just rebuild your you rebuild eventually and you get to right. kill the thing. Yep. But yeah, so Hogak is good. Be have a plan against it. If you're gonna play modern, have a plan. Absolutely. I went through the uh, top eight lists. I wasn't gonna dig through every list that they published, but the top eight lists all had main and side graveyard hate, uh, with the exception of hardened scales, it only ran sideboard graveyard hate. Yeah, because it's just trying to get you dead yeah. super fast. Yep. But everybody else had main deck and sideboard graveyard hate. Yeah. So you just have it's just something you just have to deal with. Yep. If you're gonna play Hogak, and if you like like Dredge, this is not the time for you, my friend. No, sorry, you are uh, what they call collateral damage. <laughs> yes, you've been <laughs> you've been shadow banned by an eight eight trampler because yeah. everyone has seven pieces of graveyard hate, yeah. and then you're just. I like, mean, oh. Phoenix to some extent too. Phoenix and Storm. Yeah, I mean Phoenix, like it, you know, it takes away their like explosive starts, and then yeah. they have to like rely on thing in the ice. Yeah. Or Aria of Flame. Yeah, probably more Aria of Flame than thing in the ice because. You know what blocks a thing in the ice forever? 
Yeah, a hogek, or you're just already dead before you get to flip it. Right. So, yeah. So there are going to be some decks that are just going to be collateral damage. Like, other graveyard-based decks are just, this is not the time for you. Yep. We wanted to talk a little bit more about the limited environment, Modern Horizons Limited. Yeah, uh, some pros and cons. Modern Horizons Limited, if you have not played it, is fantastic. It is really good. It is one of my favorite draft formats that I've played in, and I'm not a big limited person. Um, yeah, it is it is great though. Yeah, and I would draft Modern Horizons. Like if somebody called me up and said, "Hey, you want to draft Modern Horizons right now?" You guys would have to wait. I'll be right back. Yeah, it's it's well worth it. Like like every pick seems to matter. Yeah, there's a, most of the archetypes are good. Yeah, though apparently none of the pros want to play white. Yeah, I mean I don't love white either, but yeah. I don't love white in general. In general so yeah. But basically, there are four colors that are pretty well balanced, and mm-hmm. white might be an outlier. Yeah, but there's a lot you can do in every in everything. Yeah, like you said, every pick matters. Like up until the last pick, like every single card that you pick matters because there's a shot it goes in your deck. Yeah, I mean, even right, you don't last pick lands. Right. Right. There are points where you're like, I need to like third pick this this uh, snow, snow covered, covered forest yeah. because I have uh, a frost wallet in my deck. Mm-hmm. Okay, I need this card. Yep, I need or a this, chiller pillar. Right? So, like, you have lands that are reasonable picks. Yep. I mean, I think someone at the MC first picked a snow-covered forest. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. I think trying to, like, push people out of blue-green snow. Oh, okay. That was the second-best archetype, everyone said. Yeah. With blue-black ninjas being the best. <laughs> Hi-ya. Hi-ya. <laughs> it is well worth playing. Yep. Like, watching it, like... It's complicated, but it is. It's rewarding, really and like the plus side is the EV of this set's really high right now. So if you can, you know, fire off a thirty dollars draft or whatever your LGS is charging for a Modern Horizons draft, chances are you're gonna come away with almost that in cards. Yeah, so you won't lose your shirt. It's not yeah. like there are there are some low end like rares, but mm-hmm. you know there is enough high end stuff. It's not like a uh, a standard draft where you're going to open like typically like a quarter, a dollar, and a quarter. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times I don't even pick my rares when I'm drafting a standard legal set. Like I'll have a whole deck with you know commons and uncommons in it, and I just kind of lit my money on fire. Yeah, uh, but this is this is not that case. Like you, no, yeah, you have some really good impactful picks. Both yeah, I mean, there's for your wallet and for you know your deck. Yeah, there's a bunch of cards that. Way more than pay for your draft. Yeah. So it is kind of awkward though, right? Because Modern Horizons product is kind of hard to come by right now. Yeah, this was like my like pseudo rant for the last few days. Yeah, we talked about a little bit at the game store with our uh, local game store owner yeah. on Friday. When it was the Pro Tour. Yeah. The Pro wasn't for professional. Right. It was for promotional. Correct. We're trying to move. We're trying to move stuff off shelves. Yep. Right, so it was like three weeks after release. It yes. usually was. So Modern Horizons came out in June, mm-hmm. like beginning of June. So two months ago. And then another set came out. Yeah. And now we go to Modern Horizons draft format for an MCQ, which is still just a giant commercial mm-hmm. for Magic: The Gathering and Wizards of the Coast. Please buy our stuff. Yep. You can get it online, apparently. You can, like, go... Yeah, you can still order sealed product online boxes if you want right. to buy a box or whatever. But, you know, I don't have eight friends. Right. Right. I don't have eight friends that I can be, like, get all in one place. Yeah. Spend $200 on a box mm-hmm. and be like, we're going to draft this. Yeah. I mean, it's like what I said Friday was uh, 
like in our little group of like the eight people who we would reasonably call up to draft with us, we've still got six sealed boxes of Unstable. That was an awesome draft format, and we just have never had time to draft them. Yeah. Every so often, I was like, we should draft those. Yeah. It comes up every so often. And people are like, yeah, we should, and then it never happens. Yeah. So, yeah, like, like it was stores having difficulty. Like, it's hard to have someone watch the stream yeah. and go, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And then go down and have the ability to do that. I think our game store owner said they get two boxes a week right now. Yeah. Well, he wasn't getting any. For um, the longest time. Yeah. Um, they were almost out, I believe. And then last week, uh, he said boxes are starting to trickle in. I think they got two last week. They might get two more this week. But it's hard. Like like you were saying, you know, everybody spends all weekend watching this awesome limited format and then wants to go to their LGS to draft, and there's no product. Yeah, like what, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. Right? So like and you can't like... hop in on Arena and draft it? No, no, you can't. Yeah. It's just awkward. Yeah. And then Vegas coming up is also Modern Horizons Limited. Yep. And was it three weeks, two weeks? Two or three weeks, yes. Yeah. Middle of August. Yeah. Uh, and again, like, it's not like you can, you're not, it's not going to be any easier to like wander into your LGS and be like, I want to. Right. Modern Horizons. Like, one, you've got to find eight people, seven other people that want to do it. Yeah. And some people don't want to do it because there's like, the cards are complicated. So there's yeah. a barrier to entry there. And it's, 25 to 35 dollars probably to do a draft yeah right so all these things kind of conspire to make it hard for people to go out and do that thing yeah i don't know if you had heard this or not but even pros that were prepping for this uh, mythic championship were having a hard time getting modern horizons limited practice in i think jerry thompson said after like waiting 10 minutes yeah. for a, a queue to fire he just said i'm done yeah 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 even on magic online like they just weren't firing and then uh, Wafatavo, mm-hmm. uh, I probably said that wrong. Sorry. He's probably not listening. It's all no, right. That's fine. Uh, hey, we're big in France. They asked him how his uh, draft was day two, and he's like, I don't know. This is my second draft. That's insane. Had not done, did his day one draft with his very first draft of the format. Man. And then day two was his second. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't know what his preparation normally is, yeah. but craziness. Yeah. Yeah, so if you can like find some people to do a uh, do a draft, like absolutely. Oh yeah, they're a blast. The so arena, finally, uh, again, give us your data. Please give us your data. Let me see if I can bring up the, the sheet real quick. We did this last week too. All right. While you're doing that, let's talk about the uh, guild challenges. Oh my god. So you you didn't have a great time. I did not. It was like. So I was like, I'm going to play Boros initially because I was like, you know what? Fine. Like, maybe I can just cheat some people out, get some six wins. Yeah. I forgot how bad red-white was in that format. Yeah, it wasn't great. In, in, in like, just not that format, but the, you know, the block. Yeah. And, like, you just ran out of gas and just it was miserable. Yeah. And then one of the games I was playing and I drew an act of treason and I was like, no. It was like, I will never put that card in a limited deck. And these are basically 60-card <laughs> limited decks. Yeah, basically. I think the power level kind of varies wildly based on, like, what mythic they put, what your rare and mythic slots were. Yeah. My first match was against Orzov, and their rare is Ethereal Absolution, mm-hmm. which you can never beat in limited. <laughs> in an unsideboarded game where you don't have enchantment removal. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is going fine. <laughs> Ethereal Absolution, concede. 
So I played Rakdos, and the deck felt pretty good. I squished Boros. I squished Demir. Um, I squished Gruul. Uh, the only I went six and one. I only had one loss before I hit my my sixth land there, and it was to Selesnya. I think that I ended. I played Boros, and then I played Gruul, and Gruul felt better just because mm-hmm. he had bigger idiots. Yeah. And then I ended up on Azorius because I just kept feeling like the Azorius decks just were like piles of removal. Mm-hmm. And like that's how I like to make my limited decks. Yeah. Oh, pro tip, the Azorius deck plays Time Wipe. Oh, okay. Yeah, you weren't. You don't expect a, a deck that has a 2-1 that has first strike on your turn <laughs> for 2 to also Time Wipe you. Yeah. Uh, they also Time Wipe <laughs> you. I was like, I like put out some creatures. I was like, I'm going to win next turn. Time Wipe. <laughs> Why? Why am I? Why is her time wipe against me? <laughs> the uh, the mythic in the Rakdos deck was Spawn of Mayhem. Okay. And that'll just win a game. Yes, the the Azorius mythic is Angel of Grace. Okay. I don't know what the uh, Orzhov mythic was, and then the Gruul one was Ravager Worm. Okay, it was probably Sarah for the Scales. Probably good point. Yeah. Probably Sarah for the Scales. So I kind of felt like they were swinging. I did not play. I don't think I played against a single Simic deck. Um, I did. I played like, I think I ended up playing probably 15 matches. Oh, yeah. Didn't play against Simic once. I only played against Orzov once or twice. I did. The Simic deck had the same problem, like when I played it in this guild battle or whatever, it had the same problem it kind of did in Limited, where you'd sink a whole bunch of mana into an adapt creature, and then it just died and didn't ever do anything. Yeah. I think I only playing against Rakdos once. I time wiped them. Um, <laughs> well, it wasn't me. I never got time wiped. No, no, it was it was not it was not you. But I was like, oh, this feels good on this side. Yeah, I squished people with Judith. It was great. Yeah, my opponent did not draw Judith. Uh, <laughs> trying to think what other good. I played against Is it a few times. Maybe only once oh, or twice. I didn't, I didn't see any Is it. Like once or twice. Yeah. It was weird. It seemed like the played like the Demir deck. Like, did they not get the memo that disinformation campaign is not fun to play against? The Demir deck, I played Demir three times, tw- two times, two or three times, and uh, they just didn't do anything. Like, they disinformation campaigned me when I didn't have any cards in my hand. Yeah, I and I had my opponent uh, go, like, turn to uh, whatever, Night Veil Sprite. Yeah. Turn three disinformation campaign. Oh. And I went turn four, the five five that kills an enchantment. <laughs> like, I just, just, I was like, they disinformation campaigned me like three turns in a row, and I was just like, Yeah, two, two, three, three, five, five. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I am fine with this, <laughs> but yeah, like I was just like, Man, that is not a fun card to play. Yeah, like, no. why, why did you put that in this format? Like, you had a choice, everyone hated that card in limited. Also, Nightfall Predator, uh, I was uh, Azorius and had a handful of removal, and I was like, Oh, yeah, this <laughs> card is miserable, yeah, can't do anything about that. This is awful. So, okay, we have the data now. Mm-hmm. So, again, I'd like to thank uh, Jesse for uh, participating and giving Jesse. us data. Uh, he figured out how to enter stuff. It's super easy. <laughs> if Jesse can do it, anyone can do it. <laughs> Shots. <laughs> um, again, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, we had 24 games in gold, and everything is 12.5% yeah. to, like, pretty, 16%. It's, it's a pretty wide open. Yeah, so... Uh, mono red, mono blue, Esper, various versions of Feather, mm-hmm. Scape Shift, Salti Elementals, or just maybe Elementals in general. Yeah. I've kind of combined those in the new list as like just Elementals. Yeah. 
and then Simic Flash. Okay. So, like, the blue base, like, Flash decks were, like, a third of the meta. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was just a little, like, bit of everything. Yeah. It's almost all symmetrical. It's very pleasing to the eye. <laughs> uh, now, in Platinum, there were uh, some more things, but I was the only one in Platinum, so it was just my 18 matches. Yeah. So, take this with for what you will. It was, like, I played Mono Red once, mm-hmm. played Scape Shift and Gen Dinos twice, uh, Simic Flash twice teamer elementals again like we don't have a huge yeah. sample set but it is again very spread out yeah maybe something would like pop to the top if we had a bigger sample size but it was not like it was the last two seasons yeah. where it was just all esper all the time every white day. esper and red yeah so that is good it's nice to see that things have changed in like the the yeah. new set like has has shook things up. Well, and like you said, it might be because people are uh, doing other things now. Also, people aren't super hyper focused on standard when you know the next three big events are all modern. Yeah, this is yeah, this is very true as well. Because I guess this is a good time to like put modern in because yeah. like, this standard is at the end, and we're gonna yeah. have three sets completely and totally like disappear. Right. So it's hard to get people to invest in cards and yeah. stuff. Or travel for a format mm-hmm. that's already solved, or going to rotate yeah. and change. Or again, just one more thing about the current standard. When you were like, "Oh yeah, like this standard's been around for a long time," mm-hmm. listening to like the game podcast, which is my main like constructed thing. Yeah, I like they, that one as well. But they were just like, "Oh yeah," in the early point, early parts of this format, like I thought about this, and then the deck has evolved to this, and like. The format, like, started <laughs> two weeks ago. Yeah. Or three weeks ago. Like, this was, like, listening to last week's podcast. Yeah. So, like, three weeks ago. And I'm like, what do you mean in the early parts of the format? You mean last week? <laughs> the early parts, oh, the nascent phase where we didn't know anything. That was yeah. last week. Yeah. It's just crazy how, like, quickly it seems like it gets solved. Yeah. Well, see, it's tough when you're listening to people like that also that that's their job. You know what I mean? Yeah, they just have to grind and yeah. play a lot. Yeah, like me and you, we're working schmucks. We we don't get the the luxury of playing arena all day. Yeah. So what might be you life know, goals way back when at the start of the format for them was like literally a couple weeks two F and M's ago. Yeah. Because another all we thing, played. like was our our last F and M like there was no one showed up to play standard. Yeah, we played legacy. Yeah, we sat. <laughs> yeah, the two of us sat with decks and just jammed legacy for yeah three hours. Yeah, but like no one showed up. Yeah. Like, even for draft, nobody showed up. Yeah, it was, was super weird. Yeah, there was, I think, less than 20 drafters. Yeah, so we're, like, in a weird spot. You know, I don't know if it goes back to, like, other things, like organized mm-hmm. play or whatever, but... Yeah, I don't know. It is weird. But, yeah, so Arena, play what you want. Mm-hmm. You're going to run into random stuff. I don't know how to tell you what's a hard target. <laughs> yeah, they're um, really, I don't think... I think that's basically the lesson is there isn't something a hard target. So play play what you want to. I will say that I think that... If you're playing blue, Aethergust is good. Yeah. It's good against Dinos. It's good against Simic. It's good against uh, the Scape Shift decks. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you just need to, like, bounce their Scape Shift. Yeah. And then kill them. Or bounce their Scape Shift and then have up a, a counter spell. Yep. Of all the color hosers, I think it's probably the most easily playable right now. Mm, I don't know if I 100% agree with you. I kind of like Veil of Summer. Veil of Summer is good too. Like yeah. I, I play both. I yeah. have I have the blue one and the green one. Yeah. Uh, but I think like the like, I, the the green one's good because yeah. of again it 
fights counter spells. Like right. you play against the Dovin's Veto deck, it counters a Dovin's Veto. It does. So you're like on five mana, escape shift, they veto you, you're like Veil of Summer, you lose now. And I draw a card. And I draw a card. Yeah. Me, lo- you losing was not enough. I needed yeah. to also <laughs> get a card out of this exchange. For one mana. Yeah, but like the the, the white one's not getting played a lot. The no. destroy red or black thing. Yeah. And the red one, I haven't seen. I've seen it cast this a few a little times. Bit of play. But I think that like Aether Gust is just enough to help you hold on against some matchups or buy you time. Yeah. It is It is really solid. I agree. Um, That's a uh, special tip for uh, Ken Sexsmith there. Uh, he sent me a message earlier today about uh, asking how to sideboard. Uh, one of the decks that he was talking about sideboarding with was, a, in his words, a janky Demir deck. So Aether Gust. Aether Gust. Yep. Or, like, you have access to black. Like, I have had people cast uh, Noxious Grasp Yep. Uh, against me. Like, I don't think it's quite as good as you can't, like, counter a spell with it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't get, like, a Nissa. Right. Right? Like, that's another deck I haven't played against in a while. Like, like a Nissa, like a Nissa Bant Ramp deck. Yeah. Aether Gust that Scapeshift you. Good talk, everyone. <laughs> like, it just seems like, it's like, oh, yeah, that's, that is a deck. I haven't had anyone try to resolve a Nissa in a while. That card has been real good. Mm-hmm. So, I think with that, pretty much done here. Yeah, so. I think that's uh, that's gonna be just about everything we wanted to cover today. There was a little bit more drama that happened today, but maybe we'll leave that for our week and a half video or episode that we're gonna be doing uh, later this week. Later this week. Yeah. So, uh, if you want to contribute data, mm-hmm. I tweet out the link to the sheet every week, and it should be this. I try to make it. So it's the same link every week. Yeah. So if you started using it, it you should can keep just, using it. Yeah, I just update the form. Yep. So if you found it once on Casual Tripod on Twitter, it should <laughs> just be there for you whenever you want to go back. Yep. And if you want to bookmark it or whatever, so you got it for future reference, it yep. will be in the same place. And then it's also on Facebook. Yep. Uh, casual Tryhard MTG. And uh, if you wanted to email us, I guess we can send you the link to yeah. the show at casualtryhardmtg.com. And with that, uh, we'll catch you next week. Yep, we'll catch you at FNM.